Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Start a brand new week on the Just Baseball Show by talking stock up, stock down. We're gonna do a stock watch with uh, Foolish Bailey, right? At the end of the month, uh, so this is kind of a precursor. This is just guys we've noticed that we either really like what we're seeing so far, or there are some concerning things that we want to go over for everybody just to keep watch on. So this isn't. It's very hard to completely buy stock two weeks in or completely sell stock. Yeah. But there are some players with major concerns, and there also are some players who are literally insane right now. Yeah, so we're going to talk about those guys. Like, I've got three hitters and two pitchers that I'm, like, buying stock in. Hey, they've made a change. They've been really successful. Here is the change that they made, and here is why I believe that that can mean good things moving forward throughout the entirety of 2023. So I've got three hitters, two pitchers. You've got three pitchers, two hitters that you're like, hey, Things are ticking down. Things are not looking like we were maybe expecting them to. Uh, and here is why I am concerned. And by no means are we stamping like this guy's an MVP candidate this year, or you're like, this guy sucks out loud. That's not what we're doing right now. This isn't first take, right? Where we just have a you want to do first take? I could do it. Not particularly. It it exhausts me. And let, let me tell you why Paul George doesn't actually have a knee sprain and he's just like he's done with yeah, it. Exactly. And so right now I'm a generally positive guy, but I gotta be the Darth Vader. I gotta be the bad guy. I gotta be the guy who's selling. And I'm sure there are gonna be takes that I make that are gonna come back to bite me, but I'm willing to stand in front of them. There's some stuff that I believe that I am worried about about some of these guys. Which is insane because so many people tell me that like it seems like I hate existing. And like, no, I like existing and I'm gonna say positive things about baseball players. You in? 
That's why it kind of makes sense that I'm on this side because generally I'm a pretty positive guy. Sometimes I like to shit on guys, and that's what I'm going to do today. Yeah, and I apparently hate the world, but I don't think I do. So uh, I don't think bef- you do either. <laughs> Before we get into that, the vibes are immaculate in Seattle, Washington right now. Mm. Luis Castillo went seven innings of two-hit shutout ball. He punched out 10. He got through the lineup twice perfect, and I you know, turned it on uh, but midway through that game, and then you know, like you fully buy in. I fully buy into perfectos when we get to the seventh. When you retire the nine hitter for the second straight time, I'm like, okay, this could be interesting. But did not happen. The Mariners beat the Rockies one nothing. Castillo, six perfect, seven, two hits, no runs, 10 punch outs, no walks. Luis Castillo, I want to ooh and ah about for a moment. And then you've got a bat in that lineup that you are all in on. But Luis Castillo, we've already said you know, is looking like he has made that ascension to ace ship. And an outing like that just further proves it. And I watch an outing like that, and I'm like, okay, Cole's my Cy Young pick. I feel good about that. But Luis Castillo looks really on right now, and it feels like that on switch is not going to get touched all year, especially with how bought in this entire Mariners clubhouse feels. Yeah, he's got a King Felix energy about him, doesn't he? I mean, a little bit, a little bit. The changeup, just the fastball that looks unhittable. Yeah, it was the Rockies, but at the same time, I don't think it mattered who was there that day. I don't think it would matter if it was the United States from the World Baseball Classic lineup. Like Luis Castillo, we're recording on Sunday, like today, Sunday, he was about as unhittable as you can get, as was Garrett Cole. Like we saw two unbelievable performances nine shutty from Garrett Cole against the Minnesota Twins and Luis Castillo like these guys the bravado on the mound they just it didn't matter who was in the box they were throwing it by you with their best stuff and when you see top of the line pitchers with their best stuff pitching at home with that kind of confidence the game's over And the Yankees twins ended in two hours and seven minutes. And how quickly did that Mariners Rockies game end two hours and 15? I mean, both went by like a flash. I think it was sub two ten, man. I think it was two Oh eight, but like, yeah, quick transition to Cole. Um, I've already laid out the narrative pretty cut and dry. He is so much fun when he's dialed in like that. And he is one of the few that, you know, you know, two or three innings in like, This guy can go nine today. Sandy is that other guy, right? Hey, this MF can go nine today. Struggled again, though, against the Diamond. I know, which was weird. And I'm not ready to sound the alarms. Just I am. I'm selling. He's my first sell. Like, (laughs) good three. No, I I can't. Like, there's some guys, too, that even start struggling where I'm like, yeah, but who cares? Fake. Fake. Didn't happen. False. (laughs) No, man. I mean, Sandy's the other guy and like Sandy has already had a complete game this year. So I'm not worried about him at all, to be honest. Cole, like you just feel so good watching and Cole and Castillo are are kind of cut from different cloths because Cole is, hey, point A to point B mechanics. Like I do everything perfect. I'm down on the mound and I'm going to bully you. Castillo is, I'm loose. I'm an athlete. And I'm just going to fuck you up with my stuff. I, I tweeted out a video of, of a changeup that he threw to Ryan McMahon. And I mean, he turns it over. It's beautiful. 88 starts to the knees, drops to the shoelaces. McMahon lunging out for it. And I, I just said, who the hell can hit this? Because when that pitch 
is profiling like that, I don't think anybody touches that from that arm slot where he's turning it over. The top four pitchers in baseball right now, it's, I mean, it just, it's so early, but it's probably Garrett Cole's up there. Shohei Otani is up there. Luis Castillo's up there. And Kyle Freeland is up there. Kyle Freeland's up there. What the fuck is that? He's throwing 87 and he's not allowing runs even in Coors. It's, I'm trying to fade him fading him and I'm just going up to the nope. ticket booth and handing them my money and they're like what team do you want to bet on it's like doesn't matter just take it I bet against Cal Freeland I mean what is that donations you're a donations. you're donating to the Kyle Freeland Foundation right now might as well just Venmo him directly because he's stealing all of my money he doesn't need it he got extended last year I, I guess the extension makes sense now um hey Ugh. you you are loving one of Luis Castillo's teammates though in Seattle oh I cannot get enough of Jared Kelnick I cannot get enough of Jared Kelnick, and I've been getting messages about it because um, obviously I went on this huge rant at the beginning of the season saying the Mariners are my World Series pick, and Jared Kelnick, he made this mental change. I was listening to interviews with him. Like if he takes it pitch by pitch, blocks out all the noise, that he could have a really great season. We can't forget that he is so incredibly talented. He was in the Robinson Cano deal. He was a top prospect. Like it's all in there, the speed, the glove, the incredible power. And man, is he putting it together right now. Dude has an 1,100 OPS, got four bombs, got three steals. He's hitting 350, slugging 717. And in days where the Mariners' offense doesn't show up, the only runs that are being scored are on 440-foot bombs from Jared Kelnick. Like, he is such an X-factor for this team because if he can provide that sort of pop and then when he gets on base, you know, wreak havoc on the base pass, like, he is such a dynamic player. And wait till Julio starts getting going, right? Ty France, Eugenio Suarez, this team... I just I love the Mariners this year, and you said you were yourself with with Luis Castillo. Like Kirby gave him a great outing too. They're just so deep, and when Seawald comes in throwing ninety one, the game's over. Which I still can't believe he's throwing from that low slot. It just it doesn't matter. It's you know whatever hits him. They're they're just such an exciting team, and I know they've gotten off to a slow start, but they're gonna maybe they needed him just to kick the Rockies in the ass to kind of get going and. But also shout out Noah Davis. Shout out Noah Davis. Shout kind out thrown into the Barbara. Yeah, kind of thrown into the fire a little bit. And former, five shutty against the Mariners. Great outing. Yeah, shout out Noah Davis, former uh, Reds farmhand and former UC Santa Barbara Gaucho. Um, real quick, batted balls. Twenty guys with at least twenty five batted balls. Here is eighteen through twenty four. On that list. So these are all guys that are hitting balls like average exit velocity between 94 and a half miles an hour and 94.2. So like these are guys that are hitting the shit out of the ball in the early goings. 94 average exit below is is excellent. There are 13 guys averaging a hard hit 95 plus, but you've got Mike Trout at 18, Michael Conforto, Aaron Judge, Ronald Acuna, Jared Kelnick, Trent Grisham, Randy Rosarena. That's a hilarious list. You want to hear another crazy list? Talk about quality of contact, ex-WOBA. So your WOBA is your weighted on-base average, and it's a better version of on-base percentage. Think about it like this. On-base percentage can't tell whether you hit a triple or you walk. It's the same amount of points for your on-base percentage. WOBA, weighted on-base average, 
weights each individual event differently. They'll give you more credit if you hit a triple versus a walk. And ex-WOBA puts in your quality of contact. So it's not, you can get credit for that 108 mile an hour line out to center field because the goal of a hitter, you want to hit the ball as hard as possible. So that's ex-WOBA. And the top 10 in ex-WOBA right now are Matt Chapman, Adam Duvall, who doesn't have as large of a sample because unfortunately he's down with an injury, yeah. Brandon Lau, Brent Rooker with the A's. Who yeah, he's hitting the hitting. shit out of the ball right now. He's awesome. He's hitting third. He was, he's a killer. Sean Murphy, Pete Alonzo, Jared Kelnick, Bo Bichette, Kyle Tucker, and Freddie Freeman are your top 10. Like... That's a good list. And then there's Brent Rooker, who I believe in, I think. I'm not sure yet. I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't believe in Brent Rooker. But, you know, that aside, yeah, Kelnick's been great, man. And it, it's so cool to, like, hear these post-game interviews that he's doing. And it's all, yeah, like, I needed to face the beasts. I needed to acknowledge that I was not doing what was expected of me and what I expected of myself. Uh, and, and there was an emotional and mental adjustment to the way that he approaches baseball. And that's paying dividends, which is really cool because so much of what, you know, I've talked about with players before is, you know, like, okay, when shit hits the fan, who is the least thrown by that? And, mm. and it feels like shit has hit the fan with Kelnick, right? Last year, shit hit the fan. He had like a buck 50 and then he was great in triple. He came back up. He sucked again. So like, how does shit not hit the fan in that situation? So he goes into this offseason saying, this is probably my last chance in Seattle. Otherwise, I'm damaged goods and, and they're going to move me for nothing. He's making the most of this opportunity right now. And the guys that can succeed in their last chance are really impressive. Tip of the cap to Trent Grisham as well in that regard, because I think this was Trent Grisham's last chance in San Diego, and he's capitalizing right now. The thing is, though, how can we qualify it as Jared Kelnick's last chance? Trent That's Grisham, yet. He's well, we young. Yeah, yeah, but like Kelnick's so young. young. I'm saying last chance in Seattle. Like last chance to be a part mm -hmm. of that young Mariners core, air quotes. I agree, because if he was terrible again this year, it's move like, off of him. we got to do something, right? You know, even like Kyle Lewis didn't last long. The guy won the rookie of the year and now is an Arizona Diamondback, and it's yeah. three years later. So I get what you're saying in that sense. Trent Grisham, it makes more sense because it's like, I mean, bro, like you hit 180. Like, he was the worst hitter in baseball last year. Yeah. But man, can he go get it in center field? That's what's <laughs> great about Trent Grisham. He is so smooth out there. I mean, yeah. it's, it's clockwork for him in center field. But is it, is it time? Actually, one more team I want to shout out uh, because I was a little harsh on this team. And I still not am fully buying into it, but it's a team that I respect. And I went from eh, to I respect you. I don't know if you're going to be elite, but I respect you. The Oakland A's. The Chicago Cubs, I like what they're doing. Nico Horner at the top, Dansby, even Eric Hosmer is somehow hitting. But it's not the hitting I'm concerned about because I thought they were going to hit. It's the pitching. Guess who has the lowest ERA since the All-Star break? The Cubs? Wait, since the All-Star break? What pitcher has the lowest ERA in baseball since the All-Star break? Since last year's All-Star break? Yep. I have no idea. Justin Steele, Justin Steele, Marcus Stroman, even Jamison Tyone is giving them quality starts, which we expected, but he's given them good starts against like a Dodgers team. But what I'm most impressed about and what I was most concerned about is the bullpen.
right? Guys like Mark Leiter Jr. are pitching well. But it's these, they're they're so smart with it right now because it's like they get five or six from their starter. And instead of going to some rando who I expected them to do, they're piggybacking Adbert Alzali. They're piggybacking Keegan Thompson. Michael Fulmer back there has been good. Like that is a winning formula that I like. These piggybacks, like just give me five really good innings, one run from your starter. We're going to hit enough. And these, what could be starters are now bullpen guys who are throwing even harder in the like six to eight inning. And then they go to the closer. And then you look to yourself, we only gave up one or two runs today. Yeah. I'm really impressed with this formula, and I think it can continue. And I just wanted to stamp that now because I came in very skeptical of the Cubs, very skeptical. I just I wasn't buying what they were selling. But now I can see a path to being a pretty good baseball team this year. Playoffs, I don't know, but a pretty yeah. pretty good baseball team. They're an entertaining watch. I like them. Yeah, I'm worried about the cap ceiling. Um the other thing that worries me, while while Steele and Stroman have been great, and Justin Steele, friend of the pro, program, friend of the program, friend of the pod. Oh my gosh, what hard sentence! So hard, sentence. like not really though, because it's a yeah, cliche really. ass saying on the podcast. I was helping you. Uh, yeah, no, I mean you don't have to, man. Just leave <laughs> me on an island. But no, Steele's been great. Stroman's been awesome. Tyone, seven earned in 14 innings through three starts. So you hope that that gets a little better. He's rocking a four or five through his first three starts. But then Smiley hasn't looked sharp. Hayden Wesneski looks terrible right now. That's my concern. 40% yeah. of your starts are big-ass question marks. So yeah. I think Wesneski can turn it around. Unfortunately, like the data on the stuff looks different than it did last year, which is never a good sign. Like It's typically a good sign when the stuff looks the same. It's just not playing well early because it's like, oh, I mean, he was successful with that profile last year. Um, that's why I'm a little concerned with Wesneski. Assad can start games, but he didn't look good in his first two outings. Uh, Adrian Sampson is probably next man up, and Sampson is fine occasionally. I'm just worried about rotational depth here because I don't think that they'll be getting a sub 1.5 from Steele and a 1 from Stroman. But look what you're doing, though, right? I'm I feel playing, like you're, evalu- yeah. you're, you're evaluating them like a playoff team, right? Yeah. Like, they're not yeah, a playoff shit. team. They're not perfect. Like the way you're going about it right now is like how we'd talk about the Padres or like how we'd talk about the Braves. Which like, is oh, weird. I'm a little worried about the rotational depth. Like, yeah, they were projected to win like 79 games. So that's why I'm saying like this team is better than my expectations. And I think even the conversation about them is kind of changing, right? Like, are we worried about the Reds' rotational depth with all due respect to the Reds? Like, Connor Overton's getting destroyed no. and Luis Sessa gave up nine runs in an inning? Like, no, we're not. that's not how we talk about the Reds. So I think it's like, Cubs fans, you're almost hearing it on the podcast changing from, all right, now we're being critical because we're judging you in a different way. And if I'm a fan of the Cubs, that's how I want to be talked about. I don't want to be talked about like, oh, they're just having a ton of fun out there, right? Look at these exciting young players. No, yeah. critique us, critique eight. us like we're a like we're a contender. They're eight and six. Let's see what you got, Chicago. I'm sort of starting to buy in. I don't know fully yet, but I'm kind of 
So my my fingers are tingling a little bit. Can I ask you when they make the move to Mervis? Because Mancini and Hosmer are hitting a combined 240-ish with yeah, a but 300-ish that... slug. Yeah, but isn't hasn't Hosmer given kind of good? Whenever I watch Cubs games, Mancini... 30 OPS. Yeah, but he's hit like 280. They're all singles. They're all singles. <laughs> like I guess the thing, like when does Hosmer suck? You know what I mean? <laughs> That's yeah, my no, question. It's going to happen. No, yeah. I mean, they should bring up Mervis. They should. Um, and is Pat Wisdom going to OPS 940? Like, no. But great start for P. Wiz. All right. I mean, I don't – we're in a tough space with the Cubs because it's like, do we do we call them a contender? Do we not? No. How do we evaluate no. them? They're a tough now, team to talk about. Ask me, are they a 500 team? Are they a 500 team? Probably. All right. <laughs> That's think, how we evaluate them. I think they got a little bit more in the tank, at least on upside. Will they? I don't know. Upside? Ask me if they're an 84-win team. All right, let's move on to buy or sell. <laughs> I mean, my answer is probably not. Okay, um, I don't even know if it's buy or sell. I think it might just be like stock up, stop, stock down, right? That's exactly what it is. Do we want to go stock down first or stock up first? I say we go back and forth. Okay. Because I don't want to just be negative for 20 straight minutes by myself. <laughs> That's fine. I can pile on if you want. But yeah, let's go back and forth. All right. You start with a stock down and then I'll I'll counter with a stock up. So we end on a positive note. Okay. Um, Cardinals fans, listen up. <laughs> yeah, this is not going to be fun because, I mean, I really could talk about everyone in your rotation. But the one I want to keep talking about is Miles Michaelis because I was high on him going into the season. Right. He's a soft contact merchant. You know, he's not a huge strikeout guy, but he's a guy who you go into Bush Stadium, Miles Michaelis is pitching, you're probably going to win. And they did beat the Pirates, but it's the fucking Pirates. And you went to extra innings, and I hit my first five bet because Mitch Keller outdueled him against a way better lineup. Kanan Smith and Jigbo was hitting fifth, right? Like, I, I was not talking crap about him, but I'm like, oh, the fall is is pretty tough. And I get a slew of Cardinals fans coming into my comment section basically saying, what are you talking about? Like, you look good today. Did you did we watch the same game? Okay, yeah. He allowed, what did he allow? He allowed three earned and, or no, he allowed two earned, three runs and five and two thirds and allowed seven hits. Right, and he allowed eight balls to hit be hit over 95 miles an hour. The average exit velocity in that game against Miles Michaelis was 95, with a max exit below of 110. He lowered his ERA from 10.05 to 8.81 or something like that. The stuff looks objectively worse. You look at Savant and you see year-to-year changes. Every one of his pitches is down a mile an hour or more spin rates are down and location is not nearly to what we expect from miles michaelis like cardinals fans are very positive about their guy they're like he pitched pretty well today he got screwed by the cabrian hayes you know is a fake triple because lars Newbardovin center and can get to it and cabrian ran to third and yeah like the, you could point some of that stuff out but you don't think he looked good no way you thought you keep watching his starts and saying yeah miles michaelis looks good right now he's supposed to be arguably the ace and like that's n- this is not what we're used to with michaelis stuff down spin rates down like you give up seven hits at home to this pirates offense 
like Austin Hedges is hitting balls hard, like driving in runs. Like what? You have to have a little bit of pride, Cardinals Nation. So this is supposed to be your ace. What are we talking about? Yeah, and I mean, he was extended like one. I don't know about an ace, but like he was extended like a, a one slash two. I mean, he's okay. making 20. Game one of the NLDS. Who's starting? Miles Michaelis for them, unfortunately. So he's the ace. And he's getting blasted right now. Like, that's the thing. If If hits were accumulating, but soft contact, like you're saying, that's one thing. But... Hard hit rate against him jumped from 36% last year to 45% this year. And it's early, right? But it's like a guy like Corbin Burns, a guy like Zach Gallen, they have a couple of rough starts and then they just they light it up and look amazing. Feels like Michaelis might not snap in, which is scary. That's what I'm saying. And he's 34, 35, right? Like we're not looking at a 29 year old who's off to a tough start. We got to stop giving 35 year olds $40 million deals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah. I uh, What about go get another pitcher? You let Cantana go for less. I'm yeah. not, you know, Cantana's hurt. Yeah. But it's, you know, the only pitcher I, who I'm relying on right now is Jordan Montgomery. I'm like he, he looks pretty good. Like Matt's doesn't. Flaherty. Flaherty, I don't know how to, I I don't know. I, I couldn't know. even give you an answer on him right now. Um, that's not a bad thing. It's just like, there's so many walks, but he's like not allowing runs. It's, we need to see way more of him. Yeah. Um, and Wayno's coming back soon. He's he's making a rehab start in double A in Springfield. But, I think. Yeah, but what's Wayno going to look like? That's what I'm saying. Like, what are these reinforcements that they're getting? So it, now I I counter with Libby, uh, Matthew Liberatore. Yes. We talked about him briefly, but three starts in Memphis so far. Matthew Liberatore in three starts is three and zero. He's got a one oh six ERA in seventeen innings. That's two runs in seventeen innings. Ten hits in seventeen innings. 24 punch outs opponents are hitting a buck 75 against him libby has run his sinking fastball up to 98 miles an hour he's also got some ride on the four seamer and he's tightened up his curveball libby looks like a different libby i think matthew liberator and arm has said it on the call up as well matthew liberator might be the best starting pitching option for the st louis cardinals right now so i ask you why are we not seeing him and he also might suck when he comes up he might like, how's Grayson doing for the Orioles right now? He was good for a start. Yeah. Like, then he got blown up twice. Like, he, you know, he's he settles in. He gives up some home runs. Like, these guys are so young, right? Like, is the guy coming up from AAA going to save the season for the Cardinals? Because his stuff ticks up. Like, maybe he's a... Like, what does he go from a five ERA that he was last year to a three eight? That'd be a huge progression. And like, that'd be great. But it's not like he's going to save your season. You need to go trade for somebody. I know it's April 15th or 16th or whatever the fuck the day is. It's so early, but it's like, these are major concerns. And I'm almost like tired of talking about it, but I just wanted to highlight Michaelis because it also comes from a place of, he was one of the only guys who I relied on. Like, I yeah. love the Cardinals. He was one of the guys I'm like, all right, every fifth day, at least we got a Michaelis win. And yeah, they won an extra innings, but yeah, but not you anymore. can't tell me Cardinals fans that he pitched well or has pitched well or that you're confident in him. I can't, no. I can't see it. And what's weird is if you were to get a Michaelis versus Keller rematch in Pittsburgh five days from now, you're not saying that the Cardinals have a scheduled advantage over Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? I bet on Pittsburgh through the first five and they won. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that that's all you got to know, man. So we can get positive now. But first, a new message from our friends at DraftTop. Introducing the DraftTop Lift, the ultimate tool for beer lovers and enthusiasts who love to drink topless. How mm. do you consider topless? Do you consider your drink topless or do you consider yourself topless having a drink? Why not both? Are you tired of struggling to enjoy your favorite canned beverages? Look no further than the Draft Top Lift, the revolutionary new tool that turns any canned drink into a smooth, enjoyable experience by safely removing the top of the can, turning it into a pint glass. With its sleek design and easy-to-use functionality, the Draft Top Lift easily removes the top of your canned beverage, allowing you to enjoy your drink without any sharp edges. The Draft Top Lift is perfect for enjoying your favorite craft beers, hard seltzers, energy drinks, and more. Plus, it's eco-friendly, as the removed tops can be so easily recycled. Peter, don't settle for a mediocre drinking experience. Upgrade to the Draft Top Lift and take your canned beverages to the next level. Order now, get 20% off, and experience the difference for yourself. Use the link in our Just Baseball link or, uh, link tree to snag a Draft Top Lift. You in? Kind of awesome. I Bet use it for my iced coffee. It's kind of elite. <laughs> You'll see them in my iced coffee videos uh, that I like to make. Um, really cool device I've been using, and it just snaps off, and it kind of gives you like it gets you more excited to drink your drink, it's which just, it's, I haven't experienced. It's a different way to use that vessel, right? You see a can, it's like oh, I got to do the classic glug glug shit, but like not anymore. It goes down smooth. There you go. Love it. All right, All right. let's get positive. Stay in the division in the NL Central. One of my pitchers that I, I think like everybody should be stocking up on right now is Graham Ashcraft of the Cincinnati Reds. Ashcraft is a guy that I know you had some doubts going into his last start, but I mean, he quelled all those concerns against Philadelphia. Ashcraft has a sub two ERA right now. And let me tell you exactly why I'm buying stock in Graham Ashcraft, even though the command hasn't entirely been there. His cutter, like he, he throws one of those Corbin Burns class A turbo cutters that, that has some vertical drop to it as well. His cutter average speed down from 97.3 last year to 96.4 this year. So it's down a tick, but his spin is up 200 RPM. That means the batting average against, and again, small sample, it's gone from 285 against it to a buck 85 against it. The slider has gone three ticks up from 86 to 89. It's spinning 100 RPM more. All in all, this is resulting in more downward movement. His ground ball rate is sitting at 61% through his first three starts. This guy is broken bats and ground balls ad nauseum, and he's fun right now. He is. I watched that start because I did have my concerns, right? Because Graham Ashcraft last year has especially struggled against righties, which you wouldn't expect. He could bury that cutter into lefties, use the slider too, and lefties couldn't touch him for shit. It was the right-handed batters that kind of had his number. And I'm thinking, all right, great American ballpark against a Phillies lineup that just put up a ton of runs. They might start getting rolling and they might be able to expose Ashcraft a little bit, not to the sense where they would just blow him up. And it's like, oh, yeah, Ashcraft's not that good. But man, did it not matter whether you were righty, whether you were lefty, whether you were Trey Turner, whether you were Jake Cave, whether you were Edmundo Sosa, Alec Bohm, Jay Turomuto, Brandon Marsh, Bryson Stott, didn't matter. This guy, and it was so funny, too, because I had the over in this game, right? And the Reds hit it by themselves. They scored 13 runs. Thank you, Josh Harrison, for coming in the eighth and allowing all those runs for it to go yeah. over. 
But the reason I did was I was thinking, all right, small ballpark, wind is blowing out. Maybe he gives up two or three runs, and that'll be enough. Yeah. But he gave up none. And what I was so impressed with, and this is when you can tell the stuff is working, is when it's he throws two balls in the dirt, or he throws a ball over the head, and it's 2-0-3-0. Throws a strike, and then just weak contact on what's supposed to be a hitter's count. You're supposed to get the cookie 2-0, 3-0, And while he had some walks in there, it didn't matter if he was behind. Like, that's why he's so good, is that even when he has to throw you a strike, he'll throw a cutter down the middle and you ain't touching it. It's too good. It's spinning too hard. And guys just bury into the ground. Schwarber had no shot. No shot. And I know he's cold right now, but he had he didn't have a prayer. Trey Turner, nice ground out, dude. It was over and over and over again in bad conditions against a lineup that should beat him based on historical trends of him not being able to get out righties. It was one of the most impressive starts I've seen by a young pitcher this season. And I know it's early, but the reason I expected a little bit of rough outing was everything was against him in that matchup. And it didn't matter. That's why... The concerns turned into incredible praise because he was supposed to have a bad start and he threw six shutout. Like yeah. that's the sign of a true ace, right? When you're, or maybe not an ace. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a little far. A true but good arm. Yeah. True great arm. I mean, better than Hunter Green. Uh, talking. Too early to tell. I know. But hey, all I'm saying is right now, if I got to win one game outside of Lodolo and I got either Green or Ashcraft, both are healthy, I'm picking Green or I'm picking Ashcraft right now. Yeah. I'm with you. Could change. Right. But give, right give, now I'm picking Ashcraft. Give me something negative, man. I need more negative energy in my life. <laughs> All right. Let me uh let me pull up the stats real quick because I texted you and I said I want to save this because these are alarming. Talk about a drop in stuff. Alec Manoa, terms of F war out of 76 qualified starters, ranked 74th. ERA, 698. That's 72nd out of 76 qualified. What about FIP? Is he getting a little bit unlucky? Nope. 73rd. He's walking the world. 75th out of 76 pitchers in walk rate at 15.5%. Where are the strikeouts? Because he ranks 68th in them. His stuff is down. He looks like he's struggling with the pitch clock. And I don't mean to be harsh, but like, and I know he's a bigger guy, but he looks out of shape. He does. I've been watching his starts because he's fascinating to me. And against the Rays, a team that you own, you got to have a good start. And he just definitely did not. He was a guy who the numbers said was due for major regression after last season. And I'm not saying he's some bad pitcher. It's it's a bad start. Like with Michaelis, I'm more concerned. With yeah. Manoa, I mean, this is back to back. Like, and if you watch that start against the Royals, like he threw seven shutout. He didn't look good. I there's no way if you watch his start that you can tell me he looked good. There's no way. Because there was runners on every inning. And yeah, he'd get the hard ground out double play to end it. 
But like you can't rely on that, especially with no shift anymore. You can't just rely on, all right, it doesn't matter if I get guys on base, I can just roll two. Like, no, you can't. There are going to be plenty of times where those balls sneak through for runs, and that's what's happening right now. So he's a guy I'm pretty concerned about considering there's also a tick down and stuff, a tick down and spin rate. It just overall does not look good for Alec Manoa right now. Yeah, so my counter is no chance in hell he's walking seven per nine for even, you know, a couple starts more. Like, Yeah, you'd expect him to not be the second worst starter among 76 qualified starters. In walk rate, yeah. I mean, that... No, no, in everything. Correct, correct. So, but like, I also wasn't expecting that about Barrios last year, and here we are. And and Barrios and Manoa are different beasts. Like, we know that. Um Just something to alleviate the burn. Alec Manoa threw three starts as a 4-9-1 ERA. Um, The beautiful thing about plus stats is they account for whatever is happening around the league. So like a 4-9-1 is not a 92 ERA plus in July. No, but that's an... Are you saying he has a 4-9-1 ERA right now? Yes. No, that ballooned it's six nine eight after that start with the uh against the um race oh, he just started his fourth yeah. okay so yeah, so, so no that, those work. stats are after that race start like six nine right. eight era seven oh four fip 15 and a half percent walk percentage negative 0.3 f4 16 and a half percent k rate okay yeah so i i mean that changes it a little bit but going into that start you know he had a 92 era plus and that's what i like about plus stats is like a 491 may sound really bad for manoa but that's only eight percent below average but now that number is going to be a lot worse when it populates uh after that raise starts. so yeah i mean like he ran into the tampa bay rays I don't want to say I'm not concerned. Like, that's not what I'm saying whatsoever, because I'm really concerned about Manoa. But I do want to find some sort of silver lining, because I do think that this guy's really talented. And I do, I don't see a way that he has a 2-2 again in in 200 innings, but I do see a world where he has a low threes in 190 innings, in, in 200 innings. But it's getting harder and harder for me to justify that now, as each start goes by. He threw um, his four-seamer 94 miles an hour. He averaged that. And aren't you supposed to be throwing pretty hard in April? The drop down to 92.7. The sinker was also 93.5. Now it's 92.5. The changeup, down a mile an hour. The slider, down a mile an hour and a half. Quality of contact against him is absurd. He's walking everybody. It's just... Everything that could be going wrong is going wrong right now. His ground ball rate is down 6%, like in the opposite way. His fly ball rate is up 13%. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these can just be explained. Like, he's just getting the crap kicked out of him right now, and maybe that changes. But there's just like, like, there's different. Like, Gallon was a guy who got the crap beaten out of him a little bit. Then his stuff came back, and he was absurd. Bounce back. That's why it's like these guys like Michaelis and Manoa. It's not coming back yet. That's all I'm saying. That's not like I'm selling everything I got. I'm a no and Michaelis. I'm just like, we're waiting. Right. So I guess if I could ask Alec Manoa one thing, it would probably be, are you a build-up guy? Or are you like concerned right now that the stuff is down across the board? Because if he's a build-up guy, like I need to hear Alec Manoa talk about his struggles. And I will be clamoring 
for the Sportsnet interview with Alec Manoa at some point this week because I want to know what that guy's thinking right now. Like, are you really disappointed? Um, what is your path to success in the immediate future? Because, like, if he's like, I'm not worried, you know, took me a couple starts to settle in, like, I, I'm feeling good now. Let me get a little bit farther. Then I'm like, okay, I'm I'm eager to watch your next start. Right now, I'm not eager to watch his next start. I want to hear what he's thinking more than I want to watch his next start. That's totally fair. Um, and I went back and I was like, oh, is he a slow starter? You know what his best month of ERA was last year? It was it April? April. Shit. Like that's not good. One four four ERA in April. Two o three in May. Two five six in June actually technically his best month was september okay. but he was his second best was april and like his third best was may so all right um back to, the, back positive. to the positive yeah, yeah. <laughs> back to the positive um my my next and, and last pitcher and then i've got three hitters you've got one more pitcher that you're down on and then two hitters but I'm positive on Hunter Brown right now, the rookie right-hander for the Astros. And Brown looked great, you know, limited sample last year, got up, made his debut, and and was an excellent swingman for them en route to a World Series championship. But Hunter Brown has now been given the burden of replacing Justin Verlander in the rotation. Not as the one, Fromber's the one, not as the two, Javier's the two. Um, But Luis Garcia has struggled a little bit. Javier has relatively struggled a little bit. Urquidy looks solid, but then you get to Hunter Brown, because remember, you're still without Lance McCullers. Hunter Brown went four and two thirds, allowed four earned in his first start. Then he went seven shutout. Then he went seven shutout. And Hunter Brown has thrown 93 pitches in start one, 97 pitches in start two, 99 pitches in start three. I have no advanced data to tell you that I love what Hunter Brown's doing. All I got to tell you is this guy is willing to take the ball and grind through seven innings for the Houston Astros. That's exactly what they fucking need in that five spot. And and I think Hunter Brown is due to have a great year as a horse at the back of that rotation. Yeah, there's nothing advanced that I'm worried about with him. Like, it's not sparkling, but it's all above average. And honestly, like, if- like watching him will his way to seven shutout against Texas on Saturday, I was like, fuck any advanced number, man. And there's no downturn in stuff, like even last year and... A limited role. He's still throwing 96, 97. Slider is still sliding. He throws it at 92. You know, he still gets great extension. You know, he's not allowing hard contact. Like, there's nothing advanced I could tell you that's, that's you know, taking you off the eye test, right? When you watch him, it's like, that guy's got it. And, like, that's important. And the advanced data backs it up. Like, he is that dude, and it's like, oh, it's such a shocker that the fucking Astros have another one of these pieces of shit. <laughs> and I say that in the kindest way possible because it's it's clockwork with them. It's like the Rays. It's like the Guardians. It's it's better than the Guardians, to be completely honest. It's Dodgers. It's They're in a class of their own where it's the Rays, it's the Dodgers, and the Astros who just spawn these these aliens, these pitch lab dudes. They're just... Can't hit him. I mean, he's he's another just freakazoid that the Astros have. Just another starter who throws ninety seven gotcha. out of Wayne State in the fifth round. Yeah, shout out the Michiganders, Hunter Brown. How the fuck did the Astros find this dude? Like, why did he go the fifth from Wayne State? Like LSU, you didn't hear Hunter Brown when he was coming up. Like, how did the Astros find him? What I mean, his slider guys- data just 
Hunter Brown. Oh, Hunter Brown got into Astros player development and blossom. Like that's what these orgs do, man. Ronan cop, whole bunch of nothing. I mean, he was like fine. And he was a draft pick out of Juco. And then the Dodgers turn him into a strikeout machine. Gavin stone was a fifth round pick out of central Arkansas for the Dodgers. Bobby Miller was not this until his last year at Louisville. And then you look at what Cleveland, right? Shane Bieber ticks up after getting drafted out of Santa Barbara. McKenzie blossoms in that Guardians organization. So many guys blossom in the Rays organization. The Astros are there, man. When you look at the gold standard of player development, the Houston Astros are 100% there. You can look at Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Luis Garcia, and take a gander at Hunter Brown, too. Should we piss some people off now? My yeah. next one. Go ahead. There is nobody in baseball allowing harder contact than Brady Singer of the Kansas City Royals. And if you want to talk about a downturn in stuff to start the year, sinker down a mile an hour, slider down a mile an hour and change, change up down about half a mile an hour, four seamer down a mile an hour. This shit's getting tattooed. You know what his average exit velocity is right now? Hard. 98.1. Huh. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I can't believe it when I watched him. I watched his last start against the Braves, man, and it was batting practice. I mean, they just ran up on him. And you could say, well, Peter, that's the Braves. Like, Can you give him a break? You're going to give him a break against the Giants who put up five earned on him? Yeah, he pitched well against the Blue Jays, but he's still giving up hard contact. He just went into the glove. I don't know what to say. It doesn't look good. The stuff looks worse. The command looks worse. But again, he's so young that maybe it's just like, like I'm not selling him. I'm not selling his stock. I think there has to be something wrong because it's like, and Manoa too. Like, I'm not selling these guys. Michaelis, I'm much more worried about because he's 35. These young guys, it's just like, like, you look so different than last year. It's like you did a 180. It's not just, oh, like, now Singer has a 5 ERA compared to a 3 like he did last year. No, no, he's got a 7.88 and a 9.72 X ERA. And he's allowing average exit velocity of 98 miles an hour. Opponents Max exit below of 113. Opponents are OPSing a thousand against him. Like that, we got to bring it up. Like that is not just, oh, he's gotten off to a little bit of a rough start. No, you look like the worst pitcher in baseball. And last year, you looked like one of the more up and coming aces in our league. Yeah. What, what's going on? And I could be like, well, yeah, it's because his command is, hasn't been good and his stuff has, you know, Fallen off a cliff a little bit, not falling off a cliff, but by the numbers, like it's all down. I guess that's the answer. Like I watch him, and it's just he doesn't look like the same guy. Same with Manoa. They just Michaelis, they don't look like the same guy. So I'm not selling, but I'm worried. I hear you. You see me? And you I see me? you. I empathize. Um yeah, like I don't have anything to add about Brady Singer because unfortunately, like he's in a bad spot with the Royals. Um, they haven't been good at all this year, and that certainly can't help Brady Singer. So I 
am not sure, you know, how to how to go about seeing a road to improvement for Brady Singer, other than like keeping tabs on all of his starts and like hoping that shit gets better. Yeah, and they did add guys from the Rays and the Guardians this offseason to kind of turn this whole thing around, right? They got no problems on offense. It's the pitching that they've never been able to develop. And they they made some real changes to that staff this offseason. Yeah, but how much and is like Grinky's dealing? <laughs> Which is so weird. Like he may be so good because he's not good anymore. You know what I mean? It's unbelievable. Yeah. He's the funniest pitcher to watch because he's like calling his own pitches on pitchcom. Yeah. And he's He's just, he's throwing like 87 and he's just getting outs. And I'm like, it's so much more entertaining. And then you watch Brady Singer. It's like, it's supposed to be the opposite. Why is Grinky and Jordan Lyles doing kind of well? And you're the guy who can rely on every fifth day and you're getting ballooned. Right. Right. It's weird, man. It's weird. All right. Let's be nice and let's move to hitters. So I've got three hitters. You've got two hitters and we're going to go back and forth here. But but moving to the offensive side, I want to start with Jorge Mateo with the Baltimore Orioles, because, you know, we've talked about their organizational depth in the middle infield. Jordan Westbrook, Joey Ortiz, Connor Norby. They are knocking at the door. Gunnar Henderson is displaced because of Mateo right now. Jorge Mateo is the shortstop. Jorge Mateo's not relinquishing that job anytime soon. Like, it doesn't look like Westberg is going to slide in or Norby's going to slide in on June 1st. Because Jorge Mateo, through the first 13 games of his season, is hitting 350 with a 1038 OPS, two doubles. He's already hit three homers. And when he gets on base, he's seven for eight in the stolen base department. Mm. So, Peter, I ask you, what is the best thing that Jorge Mateo does? Hmm. Such a good question. What's the best thing? I mean, he is a demon on the base pass. And with these new rules and the bigger bases, like you get him on base enough. Like if he were to have a 340 OBP, he could steal 60 bases easy. He's the fastest motherfucker on the planet, or at least one of them, right? Like he's one of the three or five fastest guys in baseball. He's a demon on the base pass. Like there's only a couple of demons and he's one of them. And that's the thing. Like he is a platinum glove caliber shortstop too, but his best thing is running really fast, running really fast to first base and then first base to second base. How do you get on first base more? That's the question you ask in regards to Mateo. Well, you hit the ball on the ground, right? That was the Billy Hamilton thing. It's like, dude, for the love of God, hit the ball on the ground and you're a hall of famer. He's a right- no shift, but it'd be nice if he hit the ball in the air too. Yeah. And Jorge Mateo is a right-handed bat. So I ask you, how do you get on base more if you're Jorge Mateo? Just you make more the, contact. You hit the ball on the ground to the pull side, to the left side of the infield, right? And you beat shit out. Yeah. Jorge Mateo this year, compared to last year when he was good, his ground ball rate in the early goings is up 15% from a year ago. And his pull rate is up 20% from a year ago. So this guy's hitting the ball on the ground on the left side of the infield and proving that he's the fastest motherfucker alive. Yes. And you just want him for me. I just wanted to make more contact because the more contact he makes, the more he's going to get on base because he's going to beat him out. But I don't, I don't, I disagree with you in the sense that like, we want his ground ball rate to spike. We don't. We want him to hit the ball in the air because he does hit the ball hard. Like, yes, with a guy like him, he can hit the ball on the ground, and that's why he's so electric is like a ground ball 
in the five, six hole is way better for him than it is for anybody else. But I don't want him hitting more ground balls. I just want him making more contact and I'd rather be in the air. See, I'm I'm cool with him hitting more ground balls because we are a game centered around hitting the ball in the air now. And now with the shift restrictions, they are almost incentivizing you hit the ball on the ground. So now instead of evading three guys, you're evading two. The math is in Jorge Mateo's favor. It's actually a very interesting point because it's like, you're not saying that just about anybody. No. We're talking about a demon here. Yeah, I'm demon. like, listen, if I've got Gorman on this list too. If Nolan Gorman is hitting the ball on the ground more, I'm worried because that's a yeah. power guy. I know what you're saying. If the fastest dude in baseball is hitting the ball on the ground more, and he's a righty bat, and he's pulling the ball on the ground more, I feel better because there are only two infielders on that side as opposed to three. All right, you sold me. I like that. I could get behind that. Like, yeah, because like it just, if you hit it to the left side of the infield, like you're going to get on base. You're going to beat that out. Yes. All right. And then you're going to steal second. And that ground ball in the hole scores you. And the Orioles win. Yes. And the Orioles win. Interesting. I wonder what they're going to do with him with Jackson Holiday just destroying the minor leagues and Joey Ortiz and Westberg and Gunner and is Adam Frazier going to keep stealing jobs? I don't know. I, <laughs> Frazier know. looks good in the early going. It's so weird, man. Um, Should I shit on another guy? Yeah, shit on another guy, and then I've got two more positives. Uh, before I shit on someone... Let me tell you about a new update from our friends at BetMGM. We have a new bonus code. Um, The bonus code, uh, it lasts until May 31st. um, And you can use it in Massachusetts and Ohio. It's JBFANS. So J-B-F-A-N-S. The link is in the episode description. Bet 200, get $200 instantly. So you sign up, step one, sign up and deposit at least $10 into your newly created account. Step number two, download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android. Step three, place a pregame Moneyline wager of at least $10 on any MLB team to win at standard odds price. And then you will receive $200 in bonus bets instantly. That same offer is... Bet $10, get $100 instantly. Um, It's available in all states except a couple of them, like D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Massachusetts, and Ohio. Um, Sign up and deposit at least $10, again, into your newly created account, all that kind of stuff. Uh, So basically, if you're in Massachusetts and Ohio, you get the $10, and then it's $200 instantly. The other states, it's $10, and you get $100 instantly, except for D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, and then, of course, Massachusetts and Ohio. So make sure, if you want a tail, make sure to use the King of Sportsbooks and BetMGM and use code JBFANS. Love All it. Right. Love it. Let's crap. All right. Um, when's Brian Hayes going to be something? Um, this is a guy who I have been told by many that we just got to keep waiting it out. Got to keep waiting it out. And I've always been kind of down on him offensively. Defensively, he is a wizard. I was texting our Ryan Miller, our Pirates guy. And I'm like, 
And I was kind of mean. I was like, Brian Hayes is lucky that he's such a wizard because if I see this guy ground out to second baseman, ground out to shortstop again, like I'm going to lose my mind. It's every time, man. And it's like he doesn't really put up that great of ABs. His ground ball rate is still in the upper 40%. It's just, it's the same, right? It's the same as it was last year. Is he ever going to be this above average hitter? Is he ever going to break out and be the hitter that we think he can be because he's still hitting the ball hard. It's the same story. Average exit velocity really high. Hard hit rate high. I have no problem with that. It It's his swing. It's the way he hits. Like, congrats on hitting the ball hard straight into the ground to shortstop and you're grounding out. And he's hitting 186. 250 OBP. He's got a 589 OPS. Like, yeah, he's a wizard at third. But it's like, when are you going to start hitting, my man? And I love him because, man, can he pick it? And, man, is he entertaining. Yeah. But if I see him keep grounding out again, I'm it, like, why, why does it upset me, Jack? Because we uh, expect so much from him. And it's like, we're just, I don't know if we're ever going to get it. It's so early. But it's its a problem that we all knew was happening. Yeah. And it just keeps happening. There's no yeah. adjustment. Right. And the good news is the extension accounts for that like accounts for it never happening because he is enough of a defensive wizard to make that money warranted a little bit like you're not totally screwed by it it's kind of the same deal with the matt chapman thing that he's going to get this year like he will get a lot of money arm and i were talking about that on a previous episode because he's like a safe bet because even if he doesn't hit the defense is still going to be all world for the next like six years and Cabrian's better than him defensively. Cabrian is better than him defensively. I think he's a top five defender in the sport. Like, he's amazing. Yeah. But, like, dude won't put the ball in the air. And when he does, it's weak. It's I bad. know. I know. So, like, the ground ball rate's still in the mid-40s. Uh, what, what I will point to, I guess, to, like, try and offer some solace is a 188 Babip right now. So, like, you know. That's, that's. Keeps happening. Like it's yeah, it's, I mean, he was he was 307 last year. So, like, if if that's I don't know if that's the floor, that's the thing. But you feel like that's the floor. You want it to be the floor. And if the floor is is 120 points better than what he's doing right now in the Babbitt department, like it's gonna climb a bit. Um shouldn't his Babbitt be higher if there's no shift and he's a ground ball guy? Shouldn't it be higher? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like small sample. I'm I'm worried. I'm worried that this is a small sample thing, like more so than anybody else. You know what I mean? You're right, because he's 26 and this is all he's done his entire career. We have way more of a sample than just this year. I'm like, all right, we see two years of this and it's still happening. That's all I'm here to say. I'm just saying, man, if he could lift the ball, he's going to be a great hitter. We're waiting. I'm waiting. Yeah, just lift, man. Just lift. Just, just do it. Because he hits the ball so hard. I get why people, why arm, why other people. Like, it's a good take. It's objectively true. He hits the ball hard enough that if he hits, puts the ball in the air, he could totally break out offensively. That's what should happen. But it's not. And that doesn't mean arm when I, like, when I heard him talk, I was like, I totally agree with you. That is a perfect take. You've even said it too. I was like, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. But it's one thing to want something and it's another thing for it to happen and it ain't. Yeah, well, I'm going to blissfully ignore you because I want it to happen. And I will ignore you for probably two more weeks 
and then you can dance on my grave when he's. But I don't want to be that guy. I want it to happen too. So shit. Let's just hope that it happens, man. All right, but I'm gonna keep bringing it up because we're gonna talk. You know, to foolish at the end of the month, I would be like, "Hey, have you seen Cabrian? The ground ball rate is a hundred percent." Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, he does have a fly ball, so your brand is cooked. Cooked. Uh, (laughs) All right. Positive again. Second to last guy for me. Peter's got one more, uh, and, and you know we'll go back, forth, back. Nolan Gorman with the Cardinals is my second hitter that I am buying the stock in. And Gorman, through his first 13 games this season, sitting 326 with a 1074 OPS. Gorman has two doubles, four homers, 13 driven in. You know, I point to the average exit velocity, which has jumped two and a half miles an hour, three and a half miles an hour. He's up from 89.2 miles per hour on the average exit velo to 92.9. But what I want to point to is the fastballs and the chase. He hit a buck 94 on fastballs last year. He's got 24 batted balls this year on the fastball. He's hitting 417, night and day. And obviously, small sample theater. But if you're hammering the fastball so much better than you are a year ago, I like to think that you made an adjustment. Here's where you can see the tangible adjustment. Last year, Nolan Gorman had a 31% chase rate. This year, Nolan Gorman has a 21% chase rate. So he's laying off the shit, he's getting a fastball, and he's hammering a fastball in the early goings of this season. And if he made that adjustment with how much protection he has in this lineup, he could be due for a huge season. I'm going to play a slight Grinch That's for fine. him. Fine. Still ain't hitting breaking balls. Mm, yeah. But I feel better about that because he is such a fastball masher in the early going. One of the best fastball mashers like in the league right now, which is Andy's, crazy. Andy's not but the thing is, if you're a pitcher, I'm never throwing him a fastball. But the thing is, old Nolan Gorman wasn't getting many fastballs either, and he's chasing at those. He ain't chasing right now. So he's like, if you can't throw your slider, your curveball for strikes... I'm going to make you go back to that fastball and then I'm going to put it on the moon. And his swing looks better. His swing decisions are better. You went over that too. But that's then the next step in the development, right? He went from hitting fastballs, but then still chasing breaking balls. Now he's not chasing them. And then if he ever starts hitting breaking balls, dude, it's over. Yeah. I mean, we talk about Jordan Walker being next. He's next because he hits the piss out of the ball. Yeah, well, I mean, Walker hits the ball harder, and like Walker is a much better pure hitter, I think, already than Gorman is. But you got to remember, Gorman's really, really young still. Yeah, I didn't mean that as like a detriment to Walker. Basically, what I was meaning is like we talk about Walker so much, and he is so good. But I'm saying if Gorman were to make that adjustment, like they're both going to the moon. Like that's yeah. that's the main point of that. Well, and the thing is like. Tyler O'Neill's due for a bounce back and Arenado's a future Hall of Famer and Goldschmidt might be a future Hall of Famer and Tommy Edmond looks good so far and Lars Newbar is everybody's favorite breakout candidate. Hey, I mean, this lineup, man, there's no break. I haven't even mentioned King Donovan. Like, it's so good. So even, strong. Even Burleson's hitting second. Burleson. That ain't an accident. Shit, even Yepes. Like, it. it's so interesting, man. Can you imagine if they traded one for a pitcher? Cool. Wow. That'd be cool. What a thought. Mm. Um, my last crap. <laughs> I don't know what to call this. Um, but I'm not selling stock. It's just stock down. Yeah. That's what it is. My last stock down. 
I feel bad for Kike Hernandez of the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. I just feel bad for him because it almost gives me the Glaber thing where it's like you're moving him all over, right? He's playing shortstop now. He's not used to it, so he's trying to get used to the position. And not only has he not looked good at shortstop, I think he's one of the league leaders in errors, which isn't that bad. A, you know, that's not a great stat because if you get to more balls, you're going to make more errors. But, like, he doesn't look good at short. And it's affecting him at the plate. This guy's hitting 167. Yeah, he's got two home runs, so the OPS is is not bad, but it's a 607 OPS. He's in the first percentile of outs above average. So, like, you took an elite center fielder who could hit, and you moved him to short. Now he's got to figure out new things, and it's affecting him at the plate. Like, you turned a league average, maybe slightly above, hitter and a great center fielder. Like, that's a good-ass player into a far below average shortstop and it's affecting his bat. Like, I blame the Red Sox for making him shitty. It's kind of like what you know what's happening to Jazz right now. It's like he doesn't look that great offensively because he's got to learn a new position. Yeah. But this I is, mean, I almost feel like moving from center to short is harder for, than moving from second to center. Yes, it is. It, it Like, shortstop is tough. And the thing and is, it's, like... It's supposed to be harder to hit in Miami. Like, it's pretty damn easy to hit in Fedway with no shift now. And you ain't hitting yeah. nothing. Yeah. I, I feel I, bad I, for him. I feel bad for Kike. Um, the thing is, he is on the other side of 30 than than Jazz Chisholm is. Like, Jazz still has tons of time to learn a new position. And, and Kike has experience at shortstop. Like, yeah. he was that guy for the Dodgers. He was bouncing around all over the place. He was that guy in Miami, too. He was a shortstop. He was an outfielder. Like he's done everything in his career. TK, for the most part, though, has been an outfielder. But yes, it, it's a new thing. And, you know, he's the type of guy now at 31 years old, about to turn 32, where he, he's saying, like, whatever you need, I'll get done. Yeah. You know? and I love and, him for that. I love him for that. I don't love it for his production, um, especially now on what looks to be a shitty team and like Boston's played a lot of cold weather games to this point as well. Um, so I like to think that, that Kike is going to heat up, but um, I was just talking on show and go with Taylor Davis. This will air tomorrow. Um, he, he thinks that this might be the new Kike. He, he thinks that 2021 might've been the end of the old Kike where he was just a really good athlete and he could make anything work. Like now he might just be team leader and and the athleticism and talent may be a bit subdued. Then what do you think if you're the Red Sox? He's leading off and he's your shortstop and he's like a team. Yeah, leader. but they've got they've got huge problems. I don't think Kike Hernandez uh is one of their biggest priorities right now. I think that they're just like, that's our vet. Yeah, I guess if he's your shortstop and leading off, yeah. I mean, that just goes to show the Red Sox that he's, I mean that's bad. Stop that for Meyer. Right now, who's like 19. He's a stopgap for a healthy. I mean, Story's going to play second. Like, yeah, they make my head hurt, bro. If only yeah. Jeter Jones was all right. Yeah. Imagine if they had Mookie Betts. So oh. that was me. Imagine that if was they had, me. No, you know what? Harder. Imagine if they had Xander Bogarts. Imagine if they had Adrian Gonzalez still. Ooh, imagine if they had Johnny Gomes. We can play this game a little bit. <laughs> Josh Beckett. No, let's let's not. Um, right. Yeah, no, but basically what I'm saying is every single thing that Kike is doing is down. Like, he's not hitting the ball hard. Yeah. He's not playing good defense. Everything is bad. 
And I blame the Red Sox. I don't blame him. If he was playing center, I bet he'd be off to a great start. But the fact is, he has to play shortstop. He's got to learn a new position, and it's obviously getting in his head, and I feel bad for him. He's a better player than what he is showing. And like you said, he's played shortstop before, but that's a lot different than being the starting shortstop every day, right? Like, it's one thing if it's like, all right, hey, we're in a pinch. We need you to go play short today. He's fine. He can do it. He's athletic enough. But it's like, now, athleticism's dwindling a little bit. It's tough. When have the Boston Red Sox ever sold Kike Hernandez to get fans to the ballpark, right? When has a team ever sold Kike Hernandez to get fans to the ballpark? Because obviously he wasn't a selling point in L.A. And I love Kike. This is no knock on Kike. But like during the 2021 ALCS, like is that when they were selling Kike Hernandez? Because for that whole 2021 season when he was an 800 OPS guy, it was, hey, come see Rafi Devers, come see Xander Bogarts. Like he's never had to be one of the guys, but now it's Devers and Kike. Yeah, I guess 2021, like he was a beast for the Red Sox. 35 doubles. Like he was number five on the sellable, watchable totem pole, right? 20 bombs, 35 freaking doubles. Like, dude, he's good. But it was low stress. Now it's high stress and he's 31. Yeah, he's 31. Yeah. No, I guess a lot of the guys we're talking about are really good players that I'm nervous about, and I viewed him in that category. And maybe he's not. I don't know. I, I still it. think he is. I do. Like they're, I like him a lot. I think he's closer to really good than this. So I, I am excited to see him bounce back, if not a lot, just a little bit. Last guy for me to end on a positive note is Brandon Lau of the Tampa mm. Bay Rays, staying in the division. Wander Franco has gotten a lot of hype. Randy Arozarena has gotten a lot of hype. Understandably so, the starting rotation has gotten a lot of hype. Brandon Lau might be the most important piece to this Tampa Bay Rays offense and the start that they are on right now. Brandon Lau, in his first 13 games, 333 in 1190 OPS, five homers, 12 driven in. The thing about Brandon Lau is he is shitting on the baseball right now because he's healthy again. He wasn't healthy last year. He was dealing with injury. Last year, injury-peppered season, 89.1 was his average exit velocity. 2021, 89 flat was his average exit below. So even during an injury-hampered season, he had a harder average exit below than he did when he hit 39 homers in 2021. 89 to 91.8 this year. Hard hit rate the best of his career. He's got an 836 expected slugging percentage right now. He's always slugged around 600 on fastballs. He's slugging 1,000 on fastballs right now. Whatever this dude is eating, like do that every morning and see the ball like a beach ball all season long, and this guy's an MVP candidate again. And I love it too. He's not, He's not. you know, he's, he's his walking. job is a run producer, but he's not overextending himself, walking at the highest rate of his career. Right, he knows that I I just need to get on first. Like, yes, I'll hit home runs, but I'm not gonna do too much. That's why I love him too. It's like the quality of contact is so good, but he's not swinging out of his shoes. He's not a 35 home run guy who strikes out 30 percent of the time. Right, like when I look at Brandon Lau, like I remember in 2021, he's striking out 27 percent of the time. Now 23 percent. Last year 22 percent. Walking a ton. Just hits the living piss out of the ball for a guy so little. It's it's just the most raised thing ever. He's the most raised guy ever. No, third can I rounder. Tell you, 
185 and he hits the ball like harder than judge like it's like what the fuck dude can i can i tell you what the most raised thing ever is <laughs> brandon Lau's in the two spot on sunday afternoon and that 8-1 win against the jays the rays are now 14 and 2 brandon Lau over three but with a pair of walks seven of their eight rbis came from seven eight and nine in the batting order josh lowe had a three rbi day christian betancourt had a three rbi day vidal brujan drove in a run how did Vidal Bruhan drive in a run? Dude, Vidal Bruhan had a multi-hit day. That's insane. He can't hit, and yet he is. He <laughs> and, is. You know another race thing? I think Yanni Diaz has hit nine home runs last year. I think he's already got five. They just fixed him. He was hitting the ball hard last year. A lot of it was on the ground. He hit like 300, had a really high WRC plus because he was walking a ton. Good hitter, just wasn't hitting home runs. Yep, he's all good. He's probably going to hit 30 this year. What the? What are they doing? I don't know. They're just smarter than us. I don't know. So that's that's it. My buy, um, or not my buy stock. My stock up. I had two pitchers and three hitters: Graham Ashcraft with the Reds, Hunter Brown with the Astros. My three hitters: Brandon Lau with the Rays, Nolan Gorman with the Cardinals, and Jorge Mateo with the Baltimore Orioles. Who were your stock down guys? Stock down, I had Miles Michaelis of the St. Louis Cardinals, Alec Manoa of the Toronto Blue Jays, Brady Singer of the Kansas City Royals, Cabrian Hayes of the Pittsburgh Pirates, and Kike Hernandez of the Boston Red Sox. Make sure to rate, review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to support this show. Rate us five stars. We'd greatly appreciate it. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that like button. Comment who you think stock up, stock down is as we sit here today, all that kind of good stuff, get your just baseball merch in the episode description. And with that, thank you. Everybody.